I am afraid that I have much news, and most of it is terrible. Welcome to The Mind Killer, the rationalist brain on politics. As always, I'm Wesley Fenza. I'm Ignacio Brodsky. And I'm David. This is episode number 65. We're recording on September 12th, 2022. Um, you know, the date that all the Republicans wanted us to, rem- to, to act like it was a couple years ago. You guys remember that? I do remember that. There was when they like, were like, the September 12th project. Let's recapture that the way we felt on September 12th. And everyone was like, we don't want to do that. That was terrible. <laughs> and they're like, but we all wanted to shoot the, the, the Arabs. Wasn't that great? Well, I think they were they were focusing more on the wanting to come together to get through a crisis feeling. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's what it was. But I'm pretty sure it was also the shooting brown people part. I, I guess that was part of it. Anyway, we all decided not to do that. Um, so we're going to start this episode with the rarely used Wes was wrong. Oh, uh, last episode, I said that the, the courts were not going to release the affidavit that uh, they used that they submitted to the court for the Mar-a-Lago search. I was wrong. They did release it like the day after we released that episode. Um, it was heavily redacted, so they didn't actually give out any of the, you know, the the. It, important information that you know could be used to uh mess with their investigation but they did release it cool um they one interesting part of it was that you know in addition to saying that there was classified information and and other other stuff that's not necessarily classified but would still be dangerous for him to have and he's not supposed to have they also said there was probable cause for evidence of obstruction of justice Damn. Uh, likely at the, the site. So that's interesting. So we know they're investigating that as well, which uh, would be nice because I Trump should definitely be charged with obstruction of justice, like 8,000 counts. Mm-hmm. And I was pretty sure they weren't going to do that because the Mueller report like has at least six very clear instances of him doing it. No one seems to care. Uh, but maybe, you know, hope springs eternal. Aren't they, didn't, aren't there, what is it, a special master of ceremonies or something is being appointed and they're arguing over who gets to pay for him right now? Um, so they're arguing over whether to appoint a special master. Okay. And this is like a totally fucked up process where Trump's lawyers submitted a motion for a, an action that didn't even exist yet and no evidence or anything and to like this, uh, you know... See, very seemingly in the tank uh, Trump judge. And she was like, oh, yeah, yeah, we'll just appoint a special master. Uh, you you government, stop looking through those boxes. Um, we'll, we'll put the special master in charge to make sure you guys don't see anything that's, you know, executive privileged huh. or, uh, has, or is otherwise privileged. Um, they've appealed that decision, and it's such a bad decision that even the shitty appeals court is probably going to overrule it, but we'll see. I okay. So this special master is a thing that Trump wants, so that people can't actually look at the evidence against him. Yeah, I mean, I think he just wants it because it's going to slow down the process. Right, right. And like, pro- possibly pull some stuff out that are like, government, you can't look at that. Uh, but mostly, it's a delay tactic. Okay. Um, the other thing that the affidavit contained that I thought was interesting was that um, this is all predicated on Trump claiming he returned everything back in January and he returned a bunch of boxes. And then when they looked at them, 
They, they apparently contained 184 classified documents, including 25 top secret documents. Um, and they were all just kind of like shoved in with everything else, not segregated at all. Just kind of like sitting there with commingled with the unclassified stuff. Uh, so that's a little concerning. <laughs> I think it's an understatement. Yeah. Just like, oh, yeah, we'll just just stuff it in the box. Who cares? And still no idea what he was planning to do with this box of everything. Or if he was just completely incompetent. The argument I buy that sounds like most likely to me is just that Trump want, wanted to have documents around <laughs> to make him look important. And mm. apparently this is a thing he did his entire presidency. Oh, is he would just have documents sitting out whenever anyone visited him to make it look like he was like working hard reading his documents that or it was just like an important thing he was doing Mm -hmm. so and i'm like that that is such a trump thing that that he would steal these documents yep that like i'm now convinced that that's all it was (laughs) that he had no plan for anything to do with these he just wanted them around and he especially wanted like to be able to leave out a folder that said classified or top secret Man, if he went to jail for something like that, that would be so fitting and perfect. Oh my god, it would be <laughs> absolutely perfect. Uh, I mean, he's done enough actual crimes that, like, uh, you know that um, that saw that you should never offend with style when you can offend with substance? I feel like Trump, he's done enough substantial crimes that he shouldn't go to jail for uh, style crimes, but eh. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, sometimes you got to get Al Capone on tax evasion, you know? Yeah, huh? that's true. Like, he's clearly a career criminal. I don't know how anyone can doubt that. Uh, but he probably won't. I'm sure he'll wriggle out of this one, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, probably. All right. Now, back to our regularly scheduled David was wrong. Oh, screw <laughs> you. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so uh, last episode, I said that we were... Um, uh, possibly uh, sending all of our HIMARS to Ukraine. Uh, that was not a misspeaking on my part. Um, it was wrong. You can say wrong. <laughs> well, yeah. So so what I actually saw someone talking about was the GMLRS ammunition that the HIMARS uses, not the HIMARS launch systems. I knew that was what people were talking about. I just said the wrong thing. Um, All right. And none of those words mean anything to me. So uh, I'll have to take your word for it again. Yeah. Um, And uh, again, I don't really have a source for this. I just saw some people reposting some people talking about it on Twitter. All right. Well, hopefully we can get another David was wrong next week. No. uh, (laughs) If if this turns out to be wrong, I am not taking the fall for it. (laughs) All right, on to the regular news. Since we were already talking about Ukraine, we're going to go right into the Ukraine news. And apparently, um, they're doing well. Kicking the shit out of the Russians, it sounds like. Yeah, they've uh, almost entirely... Heck. So, as of, like, yesterday mid-morning, they had almost entirely driven uh, the Russians out of Kharkiv Oblast. Uh, but... They were also advancing fast enough that at this point, I wouldn't be surprised if that has uh, uh, changed and they're now uh, even further along. All right. Now, I have like kind of checked out of the Ukraine news because I keep seeing things like headlines with words like Kharkiv and other Ukrainian city names. And I don't know what any of it means. So is this is this a big deal? Is this a thing that we should be like? 
cheering or is this like a you know a minor thing yeah. that happened so this is a pretty big deal uh an oblast is like the it's the next step down from federal um in terms of like jurisdictions um so like it's pretty much the equivalent to a u.s state um so yeah and kharkiv had been pretty comprehensively overrun before uh the eastern front uh ukrainians got their shit together so right. is, now is this, this one of those um those those contested regions on the border that you know Russia claims want to be part of Russia uh, or is this is this west of that I think it's actually north of those uh, okay. so those are like the two area the two oblasts north of Crimea which is in like the southeastern corner of Ukraine okay uh and then Kharkiv is the uh area between those two oblasts and russia so um it's not uh it's not getting back into the area that russia is claiming want to be part of russia but it is like strategically cutting them off from russia uh so it's putting uh the ukrainian forces in a really good strategic position to be able to just hammer them from all sides all right. Good job, uh, Ukrainians. It's also a uh, place where they sent um, a lot of their supplies and logistics through, right? Big rail yards there? Yes. Yeah. And uh, they were also holding it with a lot of their uh, best remaining troops and materiel. Uh, so this is like a, a, a considerable but not massive territorial gain. But it's also a considerable reduction in uh, Russian uh, material and forces, so that's good. All right. So and from like a from like a forty thousand foot view, the Russian forces had been advancing and taking took a bunch of territory. Yeah. And the Ukrainians halted that advance and have now pushed back and took taken back some of that territory. Yes. Okay. That sounds good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Also, importantly, it looks to be very bad for Russian morale. There's some people um, in the in the Russian media questioning whether Putin should uh, continue holding power if he's the right person for the job, that kind of thing. So uh, it's it's looking it's looking like the tide is at least starting to get angry at uh, Putin here. Rest so, in peace, Russian newscasters. Yeah. So <laughs> I I don't disagree, but up until now, it was the like. Um, pro relatively pro western sort of reformist set that was angry at putin but this is a big enough setback that it's getting the like russian nationalist uh restore the glories of the ussr hardliners angry at putin so while it is making it more likely that putin gets overthrown pretty much all of that probability is going to him being overthrown by someone as bad or worse and not to him being overthrown by someone better so it's not Yay. really super good news on that front mm, all right all right i also see a note here about energy and fertilizer prices yeah um seems bad yeah, Russia still has the rest of Europe by the balls because the rest of Europe is filled with filled with a bunch of idiots uh, who didn't think they needed to secure their uh, energy supply lines. So I actually saw a quote about this from like 2016 
where everyone everyone was making fun of Hillary Clinton for being like, you know, you guys are uh, should probably be less dependent on Russian natural gas. <laughs> and they're like, ah, yeah. shut up. It's not the Cold War anymore. Yep. <laughs> same energy as uh, same energy as Obama making fun of Romney during that debate. Oh yeah, they like oh, they want the, the '80s cold. They want the foreign policy bad. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, that one was because Romney said Russia was the like greatest threat to the U.S., which it was clearly China. Um, so he wasn't necessarily wrong, but yeah, it was a little flippant. Well, all right. Any more? Any more Ukraine news before we move on? I think that's it. All right. Next story is from Alaska. Uh, so when last we covered this, we were really rooting for Santa Claus's victory in the Alaska special election. Uh, but who's sadly, Wasabi? I wasn't rooting for no communist. David doesn't <laughs> like Santa Claus because he's a communist. So um, I'm just going to you know, put it out there that David hates Santa Claus. Oh, man. Um, yeah, Santa Claus sadly I, I favor, did not. I favor putting the Jesus back in Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> so sadly, Santa Claus did not make the ballot. Um, instead, uh, four other people made the ballot, one of whom dropped out for um, uh, uh, unclear reasons. Uh, so there were only actually three people on the ballot. It was Sarah Palin, a Democrat, and another Republican. Uh so was this probably innocuous unclear reasons, or was it unclear reasons uh, referring to guys who talk like, yeah, she, and carry Thompson submachine guns? <laughs> well, it doesn't, like, there didn't seem to be any political advantage to anyone from him dropping out because they, they're using rank choice voting. Um, so it, I heard some speculation that there was, like, you know, uh, a Ronan Farrow article about to come out about this guy. And that's why he was like, um, yeah, personal reasons, I'm leaving. Uh, nobody look at me. What's Ronan Farrow? Uh, Ronan Farrow is a, I think, Washington Post columnist? or No, he's some magazine. I don't know. But he's the one who, like, catches all the, the Me Too people. Ah, okay. Who's like, ah, this person's a sexual predator, is, like, what he's famous for. Right. Also, gotcha. Mia Farrow's son? Huh. So, you know, I, I don't know who either youth. of those people are. Some actor who nobody Actress. cares about anymore. Or, well, I guess actor is the correct term now. I don't know. A Act- lady actor, I think, is the correct term. <laughs> <Yes>. Shit. <laughs> is how you say it. Now I'm going to get canceled. <laughs> Actress. <laughs> there we go. Uh, small actor, I think, is the preferred term. <laughs> um, so... What happened in the election was very interesting because the Democrat won, which is not normal for Alaska. This was a statewide election because Alaska only has one house seat. And the Democrat, Peltola, um, only got about 40% in the first round of voting. And Palin and the other Republican got almost all the other 60%. But the other Republican finished third, so their votes got redistributed, and only half of them went to Palin. Huh. And the 29% went to Peltola, and 21% just had no second choice. They were like, no, we want this person or nobody. So it was enough to put Peltola over the top, uh, which, you know, to me says this is a win for ranked choice. Um, people, you know, they and, – and what's also – 
great about this is it shows that not everything's partisanship. Mm. That half of the voters for the Republican who lost didn't want Palin. Yeah. And 29% actually wanted the Democrat over Palin. That's pretty impressive. Right? Because when you look at these things, especially if there's like a third party running or something, people just kind of assume that, well, if they didn't vote for that person, their votes, they know who their votes would go to. Mm-hmm. And I think this suggests that, you know, maybe, maybe not. Yeah. Now, I think Alaska is kind of idiosyncratic and less partisan than other places because um, they just, ha- you know, they have their own they have their own politics up there. And also Sarah Palin is crazy. Mm-hmm. And it makes sense to me that people would be like, how about not her? <laughs> um, you know, we're Republicans, but w- no. I saw a fair bit of wailing and gnashing of teeth uh, saying this proves that ranked choice voting is awful because the uh, the other Republican would have won if he went head to head up against the Democrat. And the you know, it was pointed out, as as you just said, that is that that's not the other scenario. The other scenario yeah. would be that there's a pri- Republican primary. Palin would have won and then he Palin would have lost to the Democrat exactly as did happen. Uh, so this just demonstrated that there were a lot of people who were willing to vote for him uh, that were not willing to vote for a Republican if the Republican is a crazy Trumper. Yeah, and it's a it's a good criticism of ranked choice. Ranked choice is not the best system out there, mm-hmm. uh, but it's still vastly better than first past the post. But yeah, I think the other um, the other Republican was the Condorcet, which I will continue pronouncing that way, winner. Okay. Um, which is the system that we really should be using anytime there is uh, a Condorcet winner, which is just means there's one candidate who head to head would beat all the other candidates. Um, that doesn't always happen, but in the event it does, uh, that person obviously should be the winner, but nobody wants to use that system because it's confusing and takes too much math and they want, and they're like, Oh, the idiots won't understand it. And they'll think the election was rigged. Isn't it a giant pain in the ass to run? No, it's a computer program. Just plug in the numbers. Seriously? Yes. Oh, you, just... you don't have to, like, sit there and make a, a separate vote for, like, each pair-up? No, no, so... no. You, it's, you, just, you, just rank, it, you just rank your votes like normal. What, then then yeah. why don't people do that? For what I said, they think the, the people are too stupid to understand it, and they won't have confidence in the election. Wow. I mean, also, it's politicians, so they're probably like, ooh, that would be bad for my party, so I don't want to do it. In fairness, if... So, as someone who has written code, if the electoral system involved running a computer program, I would have much less confidence in the election. <laughs> so, I ho- mean, you could double check it by hand. Can, can, can you? I, I don't know how much you know about this, uh, Wes, but like with the ranked choice voting, it, you, if the person you want to win uh, comes in last, then your vote goes to whoever was second on your list, right? Correct. Yeah. How... And this is this is not this is instant runoff voting is the actual system. Yeah, how would that res- result from a separate uh, result in the consort Condorcet? So it's ah. because all of Palin's second choice votes, or like almost all of them, would have gone to the other Republican. So, so Inyash, I know from your uh, attempts to pronounce noblesse oblige that you <laughs> hey. actually care about getting French pronunciations right. So God you damn Frenchies. So you should pronounce it Condorcet. Yeah, Condorcet. Yeah. That's okay. the French way to do it if you want to be French about it. Sometimes I do. When they, in- when they invent a word, I figure it's only polite. Yeah, but they... So the other... The other um, Republican would have won because if you eliminated Palin, 
everyone, almost everyone who listed Palin listed the other Republican as their second choice. So all of those votes would have gone to Palin. Palin would have been the winner. You but mean that's the not, other Republican? Right. The other Republican would have been the winner. Okay. Um, so, like, if you went to all the the Alaska voters and said, hey, do you want Peltola or do you want this other generic Republican? They would have said, oh, generic Republican. Um, but because he got the le- the least first choice votes, he got eliminated. So you go to the people and say, okay, do you want Palin or Peltola? And they said, oh, Palin's crazy. Let's go with Peltola. I see. Okay. Yeah. Um, but yes, a better designed system would have put the Republican, uh, given, given the generic Republican, the victory. Yeah, still think ranked choice is better than uh, first past the post. Yeah, it's yeah. obviously better than first past the post. All criticisms of ranked choice are like, it's better than first past the post, but it's, we could do even better. Yeah. yeah. Saying it's better than first past the post is the damningest of damning with faint <laughs> praise. You're not as bad as Like, Hitler. if the best you can say is it's better than first past the post, that is such a low bar to clear. The only other actual criticisms I've seen are what I was saying before, which is like, oh, the people are too stupid to understand. Now they think it's, uh, you know, it's unfair and they don't have confidence in the election, which, ugh. Also, wasn't the recent Russian election just um, demonstrated to the voting machines simply were sending not what was entered into them as the results? I did see some speculation to that. Uh, well, I won't say speculation. Um, I did see people saying that that was true. I didn't look into it. Okay. But, you know, it's Russia, so probably. Yeah. yeah. Of course, they could have just, you know, thrown out paper ballots just as easily. Yeah, right? Because they're Russia. <laughs> <Who cares? laughs> yeah. If you want to cheat, there's lots of ways to cheat. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, now we've got some labor news. Ooh. First labor news story is that California has passed a fast food workers bill, uh, which is a super weird bill. That sets up a commission that's going to set the minimum wage just for the fast food industry. Hmm. Um, so it's kind of it like sounds like they're kind of doing a backdoor sectoral bargaining thing, What's but there's sec- no unions involved. What is sectoral bargaining? Sectoral bargaining is where you have unions and they represent everyone in a certain sector. Ah, okay. And they all negotiate with, like, the representatives for the employers in that sector. Um, and it's how some European countries do it. And it's a lot of people like it better than, than like, the current union system. Um, I think it sounds insane. But that's just me. I'm a dirty capitalist. <laughs> um, but this sets up a commission that can set the minimum wage and sets the maximum at $22 an hour. Uh, so depending on who gets on this commission, the new minimum wage for fast there food workers in California be might be twenty two dollars an hour. In California anymore? Yeah, right. Like, get used to those touch screens and app ordering. Is the maximum set like for the rest of eternity? Uh, probably. Like, I'm, they're not it, gonna. It doesn't. Like, automatic- I, they never decrease the minimum wage. I don't. I doubt they decrease this. No, no, no. Can they increase the max? Does the maximum wage increase automatically with um, inflation, or do they have to pass another law to increase the maximum wage? Oh, I don't know. Okay. I would guess they have to pass another law, because that's just how we do things foolishly. It is, yes. I, I... Um, the commission is 10 people, four go to workers, four go to industry, and then two are executive appointees. So if it's Gavin Newsom appointing them, uh, you know, I'm guessing the new minimum wage is going to be $22. Hmm. Well, maybe California can support that. Yeah. Maybe. They are very rich. David, did you have a comment? I mean, they're also extraordinarily unequal. Um, 
yeah, so in general, I am in favor of indexing stuff to inflation, except for when it comes to laws, because that, like, marginally undoes some of the damage from uh, uh, minimum wages, because you can just inflate away the minimum wage until it's back to equilibrium, and I like things being in equilibrium. I liked the movie Equilibrium. That was pretty good. It was very good. That should be your troop deployment. Economic equilibrium. Hmm. I guess that's good, too. <laughs> All right. More labor news. This is from Eniash about Washington State teachers. Yeah, Washington State teachers are on a strike. Uh, that's, that's basically the extent of the news. But the interesting part in this case is that it is an illegal strike. Ooh, a wildcat strike. <laughs> yeah. You might ask, how can someone strike illegally? What the hell does that mean? Well, you just passed a law saying they can't strike. I, and then they strike, and it's illegal. You, you know, but <laughs> the, it, it, if someone were to tell me it's illegal for you to strike, I, I would think that means it's illegal for me to not go to work, right? Yeah, I mean, you might think that if you were uh, an uneducated rube. Exactly, which I was. Well, <laughs> well no, you, you could just be doing like Reagan did to the air traffic controllers and say, like, you're, you, if you want to go on strike, you can, but you are all going to be fired immediately if you do. And then when they go on strike, you fire them immediately. See, I thought that was just how labor works, that if people don't want to come to work, you don't have to keep employing them. I mean, that's how labor should work, but this is <laughs> <Yeah>. America. <laughs> right. Yeah, and specifically, this is America, and these are government workers. So I, I guess the short version is I learned a lot about unions a couple months ago and made a whole podcast episode about it. But the term illegal strike... It wasn't strike, this podcast. It was not this podcast, no. It was the Basin Conspiracy. The term illegal strike basically means that uh, they did not get pre-approval from the government to have this strike, uh, which, again, blew my mind that that was a thing. Uh, and so the union cannot give them money to reimburse them for this time that they aren't working. And also the employer is allowed to fire them because I guess one of the things the government does if it's a uh, protected strike is say, uh, no, you, you can't fire these people just because they aren't coming into work and aren't doing anything. Uh, so, yeah, strange system we have. But uh, this is an illegal strike, so I guess technically they could fire them. They just won't because there's, I guess, not enough teachers in Washington. It's because Washington is a very blue state and teachers are a very reliable part of the blue base. Okay, that works too. I mean, I don't doubt a red state would fire all the teachers either, since you can't just go out and hire all new teachers. <laughs> I mean, people told Reagan he couldn't just go out and hire all new air traffic controllers. There's a lot fewer air traffic controllers than there are teachers. I mean, honestly, I could teach the most subjects in uh, elementary and many subjects in uh, high school, but... No, I... you can't. You don't yes, have the credentials. Uh, well, exactly. As long as you remove the stupid credentialing. And more importantly, if we just didn't teach children through formal education, nothing of value would be lost. That is very... mostly true, I think. I don't let's know. Just, let's just give another shout-out to Arizona for their yes. based backpack funding law. Yeah. Best education state. Ugh. If it wasn't so horrible, I'd move there. <laughs> right? <laughs> if it wasn't for everything else about Arizona. Right? But I'm like, oh my god, I could move there, and like, they'd just pay me $7,000 a year. Yeah. But I'm still not going to. No, me neither. Also, it's they wouldn't pay hot. me because I don't have a kid to teach. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you get nothing. Yeah. But at least I would know some of my money would go to Wes, which would make yeah. it feel much better. 
This should make everyone feel better. Yeah, and this is why you should support us on uh, Substack. Well, have I got some news for you. All right, what's the news? (laughs) Some of his money is going to you to forgive your student debt. That's true. And also to me, and I'm getting the expanded version because I had like $500 in Pell Grants. Yes. Woohoo! Grats both, you guys. I do love that they're like, because we gave you money in the past, <laughs> we'll we're going to give you more. more money now. Nice. More money than everybody else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, honestly, I'm just, I'm kicking myself for not having taken out another $8,000 of uh, loans because I only have 12000 in federal student loans. Oh, you womp, fool. Womp. Oh, I will definitely be using the full amount. No question. Um, so the union thing, the way I understand it is the government's like, all right, we give... You know, we'll give your union all these protections. So it's not like a normal, it's not like the thing you picture where the employees are all like, we're going to get together and negotiate with the the employer and, you know, we'll be protected because they can't fire all of us. Or if they can, it'll be a huge headache for them and they don't want to. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not like that at all. It's like the government has specific rules they set up that you're like, okay, this is how you do a union. And if you do it in the proper procedure, then the, you know, they can't fire you if you, if you go through the right procedures, even if you're striking. And they can't, like, discourage you from starting the union. And there's all these, you know, things labeled unfair labor practices that nobody's allowed to do. And if you follow all the rules, then, you know, you get these protections. And so when you say an illegal strike, it just means they're not following the rules so they don't get the protections. And I think maybe in some cases the union is liable for not following the rules. Uh, but, of course, yes, any individual teacher can just, you know, quit their job if they want to. You should call them, like, unprotected strikes or something. Illegal just sounds – paints the wrong image. Like That's why they call them wildcat strikes. <laughs> right. There we go. Maverick All right. Well, speaking strikes. of strikes – we uh, may be facing another strike yes. in the near future. The real workers are threatening to go on strike. It is at this point just days away. and uh, well, This is a legal strike, right? They're following the rules. Uh, from what I hear, it would be legal, yes. Although I don't hear very much about it because everyone still thinks it isn't actually going to happen, uh, including us, I guess. Yeah, I don't think... So. I mean, I, I can see it happening for like a couple of days, but mm-hmm. I seriously doubt it's going to be an extended period of time i mean estimates are it would uh disrupt up to 30 or just stop up to 30 percent of freight in the u.s which is massive disruption to life so yeah i don't i don't see how this could stay uh for very long but if it does it'll be really big news so uh we're yeah. getting out in front of it i mean the thing the the complicating factor is that it's going to take congress doing something to stop this i don't exactly understand what all the procedures are but i know that uh congress are really the only ones who can stop it and it could you know i could see the republicans being like well you know if this would really fuck up the economy that'd be bad for the democrats yeah um but i don't know destroy the nation yeah that would also be bad for you know rich people and they wouldn't like that and also i you know it might there's always the chance that the democrats actually get their messaging correct and actually convince people that no the the republicans did this uh, <laughs> i mean look it's not a you're not, large you're chance you're not wrong the probability <laughs> is not equal to zero yes <laughs> there is a non-zero probability that the democrats actually figure out how to talk to people uh but unlikely no 
All right. Well, rail strike. That'd be bad. Don't do it. Right. Just, you know, keep working for me. For do it for me, guys. Oh, I see. I thought you meant No, don't work for me. Oh, God, no. <laughs> do it because uh, you love him. Yes. Same do reason you... my uh, benefit. Yeah, same reason you subscribe to the Substack. Exactly. Not enough people are doing things for me. Yeah, I agree. How dare they? Very inconsiderate. All right. Speaking of inconsiderate things that people did, the queen has died. That bitch. Right? What is her problem? Um. Yeah, she died. She was 96, and apparently um, this is a thing. That you die that when you get around everyone, that age? Well, yes, but also a thing that like lots and lots of people care about. Um, that- I was... I was not going to cover this, but, like, everyone is, like, very, very concerned. Well, the timing... Especially in the UK. The timing was really good for me because I am going to England tomorrow, and uh, there was going to be a rail strike starting two days after I got there, and now everybody has said, no, we're not striking. That would be disrespectful to the Queen's memory. So, uh, I'm, I'm, you know, I mean, I'm not okay with death. Death is always bad, but if she had to die, this was a good time to do it. So, thank you, Do we have a Queen who could die? That would, like, stop our rail strike? Um, Dolly Parton? Maybe Oprah? Or Oprah. Uh, They're not old enough, though. No, that's true. Oh, well. Okay, so here's the thing. Death is bad, and it's definitely sad that a nice old British lady died. But also, it was also bad when the American patriots who gave their lives in the Revolutionary War and the War of 1812... Uh, died so that we red-blooded Americans don't need to care about all the comings and especially goings of the House of Windsor. So... Unlike Canada. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's right, suckers. Um, So yes, this is sad, death is bad, but also I do not care at all. All right, does anyone here care? Negative. All right, moving on. on. Here's another um, thing that maybe we don't care about, but sort yeah. of possibly. I mean, I kind of care I about this. I kind of care about it, yeah. Yeah, so right. uh, there's a site called Kiwi Farms, or there was. There is no longer. Yeah. Um, It was apparently a, a wretched hive of scum and villainy. Yes. Eh, depends uh, on who you ask, but sure. They were, <laughs> it, it, I mean, it was, I hear they dropped a lot of N-words. It, it was literally just there to... to be trolly and for people who are, you know, miserable in life to vent some of that misery. I mean, Which that's I guess fair, but it's also, like, kind of one of the last vestiges of the early 2000s internet. This is true. Yeah, but, like, the, the early 2000s internet was bad. This might be I know, true. I know people, like, get, get nostalgic about it, but it was, I mean, website design was just terrible. Well, I mean, it was so, our, oh, our God, website being on design the internet. isn't the best. Our website about? design is just Substack's web design. Yeah, we're on Substack. It's great. It's, it's very, you know, just Substack. There, there, there's not much to it. I guess yeah, that's you... good. Yes. Do you remember how it was in 2000? Do you remember MySpace? You know, Do you remember what websites looked like? You remember... With their, like, auto-playing midis and, like, these yeah. backgrounds that had, like, uh, like rainbow sprinkles everywhere? MySpace was like the Burning Man of the Internet. Everybody just put up their own crazy, wacky shit, and none of it was good, but at least it was all heartfelt. Uh, that is not selling okay, Burning Man. I, I'm, I'm going... <laughs> like, it's like the 2000s internet. No! Okay, Wes, I think we need to duct tape Inyash to a chair and make him watch animated GIFs of rotating uh, hamsters until he remembers <laughs> right? how bad the early 2000s internet was. 
I love the hamster dance. Oh god. All right, I'll stop. Anyway, everything before Homestar Runner was a mistake. Also, Homestar Runner was a mistake. Yeah, I said it. You shut your stupid mouth. And you know what's even bigger mistake? Strong bed. Yeah, that's right. Fuck strong bed. Man, we're just the few fans that we had. Right? Well, I, I think we've found the schism that leads to the end of the Mind Killer podcast. Good run, boys. And its name is Trogdor. Mm. Uh, nah, Trog- All right, Trogdor anyway. was, in fact, overrated. Anyway, we were talking about Kiwi Farms. Yes. Um, which was, yeah, apparently a bunch of trolls on the internet um, that liked to be trolly. Yeah. They, that was, they, like, their whole thing. They mostly, you know fucked with other people who are also miserable bastards so milk and the lol cows you're right it was hard to get too upset about any of it they're all just terrible people sniping at each other and like whatever their site was taken down by their web hosting service cloudflare yes it's not actually a web hosting service cloudflare is internet infrastructure basically you need cloudflare if you want to put up a site with more than i don't know a few thousand users because uh otherwise it gets ddos and cloudflare is what protects people from ddosing is that so with cloudflare was the ddos protection and that's what they took away yes okay because i thought the like error message you got was like we've taken down this site love cloudflare i it was something along those lines. I mean, Cloudflare, but anyway, yeah. Cloudflare is a service that you, yeah, you basically need to exist, run a website, yeah. and they were like, they're like, usually very like free speech absolutists. Like you can put up whatever website you want. We we take everybody, um, and this is really the first example of them refusing someone because of their content. I believe Glenn, Glenn Greenwald pointed out that uh, they were still holding the line strong right up until the mainstream media and uh, NBC specifically started jumping on this uh, Kiwi Farms is a bunch of terrorist Nazis bandwagon. And then they yeah. quickly were like, well, nope, nope, we're, we're out. Yeah. And this was all over, a, you know, Internet fight with some person named Keffels. Yes. Keffels also a terrible person. So is, yes, that's why terrible. nobody really cared up until, the you know, someone decided that if you are un popular enough because you're kind of a jerk on the internet that means you do not get to exist on the internet which yeah i think is kind of shit because i i'm not the most popular person and i don't think i'm terrible but uh there's some things i say that other people uh will accuse me of nazism for saying so uh you know fuck that well that's because you're a nazi but also you're very popular so it's okay and so- I, am i very popular i don't think i'm that popular so we're clear comparatively kiwi, okay. Far- kiwi farms was dropped by cloudflare because it's a website where a bunch of terrible people can go to talk shit about each other and occasionally dox each other and say mean things about each other. The only they thing... say mean things about third parties, too. Okay. All the time. The, the okay, so, I... is, so is Twitter getting dropped by Cloudflare? That's, uh... uh... Sir, you underestimate the strength of hypocrisy. <laughs> I don't is the sad thing. Yeah. That's Aww. not surprising at all. The thing is, uh I I would normally be absolutely just incensed and banging this drum, but they do dox people fairly regularly. And their defense is that this is public information. Uh it's not illegal to post public information on a public forum. And sure, 
that's all technically true, and I don't think they should be censored because it is legal to repost public information, but I have a very hard time feeling much sympathy for people that dox others. Like, if it was, if they just didn't do that, I would be so much more up in arms about this. But for the sake of consistency and to protect my own self, uh, I do think that they should not be censored for doing things that are completely legal. Yeah, and if you want the full story here, uh, Blocked and Reported has a good episode about it. Yes, very in-depth. Um, and one of the things one of the things they said, uh, I think it was Katie who said it, was that, like, she doesn't get, and I this is something I agree with, is she doesn't get that upset about doxing because we grew up with phone books <laughs> that just listed everybody's address in them. And it was never considered, like, a dangerous thing for people to be able to know your address. Did you not see the first Terminator movie? Um, I guess that that is a dangerous part of having a phone book that I didn't re- that I didn't think of. You're right. Yeah. Sometimes someone will just come from the future and kill everybody with your name. That's true. That's but that book. doesn't happen that often. That's true. I mean, it's so rare. Plus, that they I have made a very a out of unique it. name, and yeah. I'm not going to do anything as, notable. As long as your name's not Eliezer Yudkowsky, you're probably <laughs> fine. <laughs> <laughs> If I were him, I would list my address as the home of my greatest enemy. <laughs> Some of the machines come for me. They get them instead. <laughs> right. Suckers. Hmm. Uh, but yeah, doxing's bad. But I don't think it's like you shouldn't be able to have a website level bad. I mean, if doxing was that level of bad, the New York Times would not have a website. Right. And also, my like what they claim about Kiwi Farms is that the... Um, the social norms there were very against ever interacting with any of these people that you're laughing at. Um, they call it touching the poo. <laughs> I, yeah, but as long as the information's out there, someone else could find it and use it? I don't know. Yeah, but like people put that shit on Twitter all the time. Yeah. And like every other social networking site. And it was all publicly available information. Yeah. So... It's a bad sign. If you if you yeah, it's, are, it's a bad site. Bad people go there, but I think bad people and should be allowed to have a website. You are only allowed to have speech in the modern day as long as you meet the approval of the least censorious of the government slash tech stack. Is I think I believe I saw Eliezer re repost retweet. Yeah, and apparently that was Cloudflare this time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you know, look for the internet to be a slightly less diverse place. It's just turning into Normie Land again. We should have never let them on the internet. It's okay. We'll come up with a new internet We're using crypto I hope, and a blockchain. I hope so. I don't have any faith. <laughs> it's just God, so not depressing that. that it's you, the fucking norms of them are are taking over the internet again. That that you know, believe these things, say these words, and if you step out of line too much. You get destroyed and there's no place for you to go and have your own community and your own conversations. Well, you know where there's always a place for you? The Mind Killer channel of the Bayesian Conspiracy Substack, or uh, the, the Discord server. Yes. And there's always a place for you here. In our hearts. you send us money. <laughs> uh, all right. Next story. Uh, apparently, a bunch of Republicans are uh, not so sure about their position on abortion anymore. Yeah, turns out that news stories about 10-year-olds being uh, forced to flee the state in order to get an abortion uh, for their 
dad's incest rape baby, uh, are, are not popular with the voters. And uh, a lot of Republicans have been backing away from uh, promises to make all abortion completely illegal. It's been disappearing from uh, their websites and their platforms. And uh, they're, just, they're just walking back some of these promises because it turns out not as popular when you actually have to walk the walk. Yeah, and this is, um, you know, I, I think we've believed for a while that Republicans liked having Roe versus Wade in place because then they could demagogue as much as they want against abortion and there were no actual consequences for that. Mm-hmm. Um, now there's consequences, and those consequences are deeply unpopular. People are like, oh, actually, like, you wait, you want to not allow people to get abortions that want them, like, even early on? I don't care for that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, there's Blake Masters, I think, is the emblematic one who had a bunch of stuff on his website about how, like, ah, life begins a conception and we should charge people with murder or whatever. I love and that. And now he's, like, this... erased all of that. Yeah. And he's like, it... we should uh, do common sense regulations about late-term abortions. Yeah. I, I, apparently, he used to recall, recall uh, refer to abortions as demonic and religious sacrifices. And uh, now he released an ad saying that his opponent supports extreme abortion laws. And he's only opposed to very late term. So so I want to be clear. All that is true, but it's not actually an argument against abortion. Like uh, Which, uh, which I, part is true? I, I am convinced, just like as a matter of sociological fact, that abortion fills the same role in our society as child sacrifice did in, like, Babylonian society. Really? Yes. Why so? Uh, because basically, like, you need to... Like, people left to their own devices will have more kids than uh, is socially optimal, and you gotta have some way to get rid of them, and uh, back before they had, like, good surgical technology, the best way to do it was wait for the baby to happen and then kill it, but now that we do have good surgical technology and we're not so much into, like, religion and stuff, the way we do it is uh, medical abortion. Uh, there's also the Satanic Temple, which has designated abortion as a Satanic ritual. Also that. <laughs> That's an interesting take. I guess I will have to think on that. Yeah. Yeah. And to, to be clear, if you find that argument convincing and you think it's true and it changes the way you feel about abortion as a political question at all, you are a bad person. Right. Like, even if it's true, I'm still for abortion uh, access. Yeah. Let's not. Let's be real. You're for abortion. <laughs> I don't have to deal with these children. You know, uh, you know, it depends on the child. L- let me interview the kid first, and then I'll tell you. Mm-hmm. Now, aren't you actually one of the people who's against abortion because you, uh, you want people to have more children? Not like against abortion access. You just prefer wait, people had children. Wait, Inyash or me? No, Inyash. Uh, so I think that population declining might be a bad thing. Yeah. So in that case, yes, I would I would like uh, for people to have at the very least replacement levels of children, and which is not happening right now. So my teasing about being pro-abortion was not accurate. Okay, well I'm yeah. pro-abortion access so, anyway. Yes, access, access. To yeah, so I yeah, okay. I am a pro-natalist. I just think that the people who will have kids. Uh, if you restrict abortion, are not the people who aren't having kids but should. That is uh, probably accurate. 
I mean, it's kind of definitionally true, right? Because the people no. who are getting abortions are the ones who don't think they should have kids. It's not definitionally true, but it is, like, not a hard sell. Okay. Well, it's also the idea that, like, people of reasonable intelligence who want abortions, if they're illegal, will get them anyway. So the only people who aren't going to are going to be people of few means, ah, uh, I see. either in terms of, you know, financials or uh, capabilities. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. That checks out. All right. All of those arguments are dumb and abortion should be legal just because it's people shouldn't have to have children they don't want to. Right. And it literally hurts nobody. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to get into that. <laughs> okay. But. <laughs> All right. Let's move on. Uh, David, you have a story about someone getting stabbed. Yeah, uh, so a Nevada politician has been arrested in connection with the stabbing death of an investigative journalist who was a thorn in this politician's side for a long time. Um, it's not something anyone should care a super ton about. Uh, I just thought it was fun because uh, this politician was... Notably, uh, an anti-gunner and put out a bunch of anti-gun rhetoric and then had a guy stabbed. So I, I admire the consistency. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> He's holding to his principles. <laughs> yep. All right, then. Uh, all right. Also, um, uh, again, death is bad, but I feel like if investigative journalist was a job that required more courage, uh, that would be good for our society. So I'm not saying that more investigative journalists should be murdered. I'm just saying if it happened, it would probably be a good thing for our society. It's not the investigative journalists I have a beef with. It's the ones that don't investigate and just spend time on Twitter and call that news. That's fair. How dare you say that about Cade Metz? <laughs> I, I stand by my statement. <laughs> all right. Anyway. All right. Next story. Uh, Texas has another one of their, uh, you know, fun rascally schemes. Uh. Eniash. Oh, what? That's mine? I mean, it has an E next to it in the outline. Oh, silly me. Okay. Yes, Texas uh, is doing something which I kind of admire. There's a lot of sta uh, cities out there. I unironically love this. Yeah. 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 A lot of blue cities out there that declare themselves sanctuary cities. They're like, uh, any any immigrant is welcome here. There's no such thing as an illegal person. Uh, we, will, we will be sanctuary for you. And Texas, meanwhile, is like, oh, my God, we have so many immigrants. What do we do? And, uh, and then they say, oh, well, they're, they're sanctuary cities that literally want these people. So they loaded up a lot of uh, recent I illegal immigrants or people who have crossed the border without prior authorization, I guess, if you want to say. Undocumented uh, immigrants. Thank you. I Un think is the term that we're supposed to be using. The term of art nowadays? Yes. Uh, yeah, they shipped over 7,600 migrants to uh, Washington, D.C., because that was their their first big target, super blue state, a mayor who was really banging this drum. Uh, then another 1,900 to New York City. Uh, Chicago is getting uh, its first buses of migrants now, too. And, it you know, it's costing them a bit, but not as much, I'm assuming, as uh, having these people. And the... <laughs> Some of the people uh, 
that were affected by this mayor of DC specifically I'm I'm thinking about have said some things that uh kind of gives away the the fact that they're basically giant assholes that just thought they could um shit on border towns for for being racist without having to pay any any without doing their part at all in in the situation uh they said things like Texas is trying to turn our cities into border towns which i mean Sounds kind of racist. Inyash, I can't believe you would insinuate that our fine American politicians are guilty of hypocrisy. Raging amounts of hypocrisy. And now they actually have to walk the walk and provide services and do all those other things that they said they would do. And I'm happy about that. Also because I do think that the immigration burden should be spread out more. It's not entirely fair to have it just on a few cities when the entire rest of the nation should be helping absorb these. Well, the other point is that, you know, unless you're a small border town that's dealing with, you know, huge numbers of immigrants in a short time period, there is no immigration burden. It's not actually a burden. Immigrants are good for your economy. And if you spread them out in the country, then everybody benefits. Well, then why are these people so upset about having these immigrants busted them? Because they are racists. Ah. And they are dumb. Nice. Um, No, it's... uh, this is good. Like, I, I've talked before about supporting um, – I'm trying to remember what they're called. But it's the, the cities that can, that can say, like, we want immigrants and then have um, immigration, like, like, legalize a bunch of immigrants um, and let them live in that city. Yeah. Um, heartland visas. That's what they were calling them. Okay. Like, because there's all these towns and cities that have falling population. They need more people. Mm-hmm. And – it would be great if the federal government would be like, okay, if you want immigrants, you can have them. Yeah. Like, we'll we'll document all these immigrants that want to move here. Uh, we'll let in, you know, 100,000 more people, give, spread them out to these cities that want them. That'd be great. Um, I feel like this is significantly worse than that because they're still undocumented. Mm. Uh, but, you know, still, they want to be here. Presumably, their lives are going to be better for being in the U.S. These cities will benefit from having them. Um, and... Also, they've yeah, they've been going on TV saying like, oh, well, we welcome immigrants. So I feel like this is a win, win, win. Yeah. yeah. The worst case scenario I see for this is if it turns the blue tribe against immigration, then we won't have a pro-immigration party. So slight worry on uh, just pure consequentialist grounds there. Is yeah. this fair? It feels like it's very much like the the Democrat version of uh, making abortion legal, like they they or making abortion restrictions legal. Like they thought they they wanted it, but mainly it was just a thing they'd never have to worry about, and uh, so they demagogued on it. And now they turns out their base does not want it after all. Yeah, that's probably true. But the difference is that this actually will benefit. <laughs> yes, them if they yeah. can just stop being racist for a minute. Yeah. And the majority of the, it sounds like the majority of the migrants don't actually stay in the city. Uh, I'm not sure how much majority is. It might just be, you know, slightly over 50%. But they, they spread out and go out into the, the nearby rural areas where their labor is needed and they can really help out. Even better. Yeah. Immigrants everywhere. Uh, yeah. Well, the Mind Killer podcast says, welcome immigrants. I hope you're able to build a better life for yourselves here. Yes. Um, we support... Uh, except you know, allowing you in the country, we support legalizing your status too. But you know, we'll work on it. And right now, we are supporting these Republican governors doing their mm-hmm. best to bust you out to where you could be most helpful from each according to his ability. Right, David? 
<laughs> he likes the sentiment. He doesn't like the specific <laughs> quote. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that was a pretty good news, but it wasn't an official good news because it's only now that we are moving into happy news. Yay! Good news, Yay! everyone. All right. First piece of happy news. Utah based Utah banned minimum building dimensions and most design requirements for new construction. Which means you can build things in Utah. This is fantastic. I mean, probably not. But, you know, it's slightly easier now. I had not heard that. I am so happy to hear this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, As someone who's uh, currently sort of idly looking at uh, apartment prices in Salt Lake City, thank you. Please, more. (laughs) (laughs) Are Are they quite bad? They're pretty bad, yeah. Why are, you, why are you getting an apartment in Salt Lake City? Uh, because it's one of the classic destinations for young men going west to seek their fortunes. Uh, I suggest Arizona. Uh, hard pass. I don't have kids <laughs> yet. <laughs> well. Um, but yeah, this is great. Um, minimum building dimensions especially are just death to new construction. Yeah. Um, so now you can build s- small things or big things. Um, you can build... You know, a whole lot. You can make it a dwelling. Um, And design requirements also. Just, like, you don't have to... You're not allowed to say, oh, you need to have a detached garage. Or you need to have some crazy features for for your house to be legal to build. Yeah. Uh, It's really great. Um, There's, of course, there's all the exceptions. Um which is obviously historic districts, which everyone exempts from everything all the time. Um, And they include, this is funny to me, they include an exception for any areas that were developed before 1950. Hmm. So Salt Lake City is probably going to be exempt. Sorry to say, David. Um, But it's just funny to me because it's such a virgin move. Um, but cause America is like, oh, no, 1950, that's when our history started. <laughs> Whereas Europe's like, what? <laughs> our historic districts are like 600 years old or like 2000 years old. Which that's especially funny because the, the cultural history of Utah is like one of the most specific and best recorded in all of America. Cause it's so tied yeah. up with Mormonism. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, like, all right, this before 1950, um, gets an exception. Um, but this is also be like any, any place that was developed when Brigham Young died. Yeah, basically. Um, this is neat. There's also an exception. They said, look, you can impose additional requirements if it's part of a deal you're making with a locality for higher density. Which is super based. Yes. It's like, okay, we have all these rules. We think they're going to work well. But if there's something else you could do that would result in higher density, just do that and ignore these rules. That is really cool. Yeah. yeah. I love it. It's great. Uh, keep it up. Do it Do it, other states. Uh, all right. Next happy news from Eniash. The Great Barrier Reef in Australia, the one we've heard about as always getting bleached and the corals being killed off and the terrible consequences that we'll have. It is once again as coral covered as it was 36 years ago when measurements began. We have managed to completely yeah, stop and reverse the trend so it's back to where it was. Nice. Yeah, I was saying this before we recorded. I've been hearing about the Great Barrier Reef dying for at least a decade. At least 36 years, right? 
I have not been hearing about it for 36 years, but apparently nope. it's been happening. Um, but now it's back. It is great. Back, baby. It's such great news. Um, I was reading this article. There's still an issue of bleaching, um, which I've also been hearing about. But apparently the the recent bleaching hasn't been killing the coral. Ooh, we got evolved coral now. Nice. Yeah. Um, apparently the so the coral bleaching comes from heat waves when the water heats up too much. Mm. Uh, but apparently the recent uh, you know heat heat wave events haven't been so hot that it kills the coral. Um, so yeah, this is all great. Man, we got to worry about uh, those genes not transferring into germs. If they don't, uh, if they become resistant to bleaching, we're in trouble. All right, all right. That that's, was a stretch. I'm sorry. That was terrible. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, let's just um, cut that out. <laughs> I have to say you that. Know I'm not going at to. least once every episode. All right, and next story. In a rare move, we have a happy news story from David. Yes, yes. and not only is this a happy news story from David, it's a happy news story from David about California. No, this is surely probably not. Probably the only time this is going to happen in the entire run of the Mind Killer podcast, no matter how long <laughs> it ends up going. <laughs> All right, so what did California not fuck up? So California was going to fuck up in that they were going to close the Diablo Canyon nuclear power plant uh, in the middle of their current energy crisis, which they completely walked into by insisting that they needed to put renewables on their entire grid, despite them having problems. Um uh but anyway they decided not to do that and they're Yay. just going to let the nuclear power plant that will keep going for another probably hundreds of years if they let it keep hmm. going and making carbon free power for very little money we didn't touch on this because we'd had heatwave news in the last two episodes, and I wasn't sure we wanted three episodes in a row with heatwave news, but California's had a huge heatwave and hasn't been able to deliver enough power and has been asking people to cut back on things like recharging their cars <laughs> and just using electricity. Yeah. They've, a so they've I asked think people to cut back on recharging their electric cars in the same week that they also passed a law banning the sale of non-electric cars starting in like five years. 2035, ah, so yes, 10, 10 years. years. Yeah, that'll be uh, 13 years for the people counting at home. <laughs> but this uh, this has helped force their hand with the Diablo Canyon uh, nuclear facility. So yeah, and this good. is a global trend at this point. Yeah, yeah, because there's like a ton of European countries that had all these uh, nuclear shutdowns scheduled that have reversed them. Uh, like the combination heat wave and invasion from Russia has just done amazing things for nuclear this year. Yeah. It, yeah. It's really great. Also, uh, the boomers dying off. Um, that, yeah, because they I've really been, are the ones who are against. Yeah, it. I've been listening to a lot of Nukabro podcasts, and they're talking about how like the they'll talk to the latest generation of uh, millennial and Gen Z environmental activists, and they're like, "So, uh, what do you think about nuclear power?" And they're like. Uh, I don't really know much about it because no one ever talks about it and people in the environmental movement go real quiet when you ask about it. And they're <laughs> like, well, you can get a lot of energy for absolutely no carbon emissions, but maybe don't talk to your boss about it because they'll fire you for asking inconvenient questions. <laughs> you know, it's kind of amazing how much terror of worldwide annihilation will fuck up your priorities it, on it, a lot of things except it's a different it's a different technology it, it's oh, a I different understand thing. that 
But it has the same word, and so the emotional affect stays. Yeah, but now they're all afraid of worldwide annihilation from climate change, so nuclear is good again. I'm glad to hear it, which is why it's happy news. Yeah. Um, All right, next happy news story is uh, there is something called plasma dilution that you can do to humans that seemingly has age-reversing effects. Mm. Um, If I knew more about this, uh, hopefully I would have put it at the top of the happy news section, Uh, but I don't. Uh, All I really know is that Zvi linked it and said it was good news, and Zvi knows lots of stuff about medicine. Uh, So that's uh, good enough for me to consider it. Uh, At least a good indication. I read up a little bit about it. I'm no medical person, but I can tell you what I was able to suss out, if you'd like. Yeah, go for it. Okay, so uh, basically they remove your blood. uh, They (laughs) run it through a process that takes a lot of the bad shit from getting old out of it and uh, replaces uh, a fair bit of it with saline that is just better than the, you know, bad shit you had in it. uh, Is that just similar to dialysis? Uh, no, it is different okay. from dialysis. I'm not sure how exactly, but but uh, that's what they, but that they're like taking your blood out, yeah, <laughs> filtering and it, and that's and also it taking in, your right? blood out, cleaning it, and putting it back in. Yeah, it okay. is yes. Uh, so similar in that regard, anyway. And uh, yeah, it reduces the uh, rate of inflammation that is just background present as you start getting older. It reduced uh, the incidence of cancer. It had a number of good effects, just like on the cellular. Um, the cellular cellular level functioning of uh, body cells because they didn't have all this crap in the blood that was gunking things up to deal with, to use the technical scientific term. Uh, so, yeah, it's it looks extremely hopeful, but uh, and this was done on human subjects. Like, this is in human trials. But the bad part is you can't just, like, order pills from an illegal pharmacy in India uh, because the FDA won't approve it. You actually need some t- person with training to run a machine that takes your blood out and does things with it. So uh, we, we we're probably all going to die of old age before this gets approved. You can probably well, just, like, get on a plane to India, though, right? Yeah, I was going to say... <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah, if it's that, I mean, if it's that good, yes, uh, we'll get access to it. The somewhere. Mind Killer podcast is in favor of gray market medical tourism. Hell or yes, black market medical tourism, as long as it's medical, <laughs> as long as it gets around the FDA. Yeah, we're in favor of it. Oh, uh, all right. So, so we're all gonna live forever. Sorry, I should have said this during the last story, but I forgot. Uh, the, so normally we have sources for our stories and they're just like uh, news articles or whatever. Uh, but the source for Diablo Canyon being saved is an episode of the Decouple podcast uh, with Michael Schellenberger, who uh, was the base politician who led the charge on saving Diablo Canyon. Um, oh, neat. So I would recommend that you, after you finish listening to this podcast, click through to that one and listen to it because it's good. All right. Uh, next happy news. Oh, my God. We've still got three more. So much mm. happy news. Uh, this is about the federal government doing something right. Yes, the White House Office of Science and Technology Policy uh, has a new policy guideline that says any uh, anything that is the result of taxpayer-supported research should be available to the American public at no cost, uh, meaning it gets put up online, anyone can access it, there is no 12-month delay, there is no paywall, none of that stuff, and that this should all go into effect no later than December 31st, 2025. I don't know why they need to wait that long, but, you know, whatever. Shouldn't look a gift horse in the mouth. 
Uh, yeah, sounds awesome. So, I would have loved this in 2019. Since then, yeah. I have learned that the United States government has funded a lot of gain-of-function research of uh, pathogens that could be used <laughs> oh, in biological no. weapons. Womp womp. So, I hope there's some common-sense restrictions to this. Just, you know. I mean... I feel like if they published that stuff in a journal, then the bad guys could get at it anyway for a small fee. Uh, that's true. The bad guys do probably know how to use Sci-Hub. <laughs> yes, probably. <laughs> I would assume that kind of stuff is actually classified. Uh, it's, on uh, the other, it's in those Trump on boxes. On the other hand, they might... Uh, uh, so, for one thing, it's almost certainly not classified because that would be a um, uh, uh, good thing to do. uh <laughs> Boo. Uh but yeah, I I don't know, maybe because they're institutional users like Al Qaeda would actually be um uh would actually like not be too small potatoes for Elsevier to go after. And I would definitely uh rather have the US government after me than Elsevier, so <laughs> I don't know. Seems reasonable. Yeah. All so right. call that happy news with an asterisk. <laughs> All right. Next happy news, which is more from California. But this time it's from Eniash. Yes. Eniash sometimes does say happy things from California. Uh, California is preparing a pilot project to cover irrigation canals with solar panels. Uh, they are covering a 500-foot canal and a mile-long canal, two different sections, uh, with solar panels in order to both produce power because there's, there's nothing above it and California is very sunny, and also to prevent the water from evaporating. Uh, it is estimated that if all 4,000 miles of irrigation canals in California were covered with solar panels, it would produce 13 gigawatts of power annually, which is enough for half of Los Angeles, and save almost, well, 63.5 billion gallons of water from evaporation also annually. So uh, this, if this works out and turns out to be cost-effective, which uh, I'm assuming they think it will be, because why would they even launch a pilot otherwise california doing uh, cost benefit analysis oh boy <laughs> well maybe yeah. not but uh yeah, yeah I, i'm hopeful about this because just the the having waterways covered by something to prevent the evaporation is something that i always assumed humans would have done if it was at all feasible and i'm glad that uh it's becoming feasible now and 13 gigawatts that's enough for almost 10 trips to the future <laughs> right um, yeah, this sounds good to me. I have a, uh, you know, an above ground pool and I got a, uh, like a cover for it this year. And let me tell you, it helps a lot, a lot less water evaporates. Yeah. Hmm. So if I uh, was in a place that was constantly running out of water, yeah, I would try to like put lids on that stuff. Hmm. Uh, are, are these going to be the, uh, uh, Chinese slave labor solar panels though? I assume so. I, I would I, I would know. definitely not put it past California to be like, no, they have to be ethical panels that cost three times as much. Uh, honestly, I actually... will take three times as much cost if it means not using slave labor. Yeah. Well, isn't that we'll actually? See, but they'll probably use the slave labor ones. Isn't there a government? Um, what do you call the restrictions on importing stuff? Tariffs. Uh, no, yeah, it's it, not a tariff. It's just an import Sanctions? restriction. Okay, isn't there like a sanction or restriction against uh, importing things from China that were made with slave I, labor right I now think, in the U.S.? I think the I think the fucking environmentalists got solar panels exempted from that. 
I, oh. I'm not sure though. Don't quote me on that, and don't make me do a David was wrong. If it's not true. <laughs> but uh... all right, preemptively, okay. David was wrong. This might be wrong. We'll have to do a Wes was wrong about David was wrong. That would be far too much recursion. <laughs> yes, that's only two steps of recursion. That is too that's much. Too much. All right. All right. Next story. It's Eniash with his mandatory human interest story. Indeed. This is not about dogs, but it is about babies, so it's almost dogs. <laughs> yeah. That I mean, yeah. Give it another year, and this would have been a dog-level intelligence being. Uh, or, or still will be a dog-level intelligence being. <laughs> because this baby is alive. Hey! There was a three-month-old... Alive babies are the best kind. <laughs> they certainly are. <laughs> there was a three-month-old baby who had stopped breathing during a flight. Uh, but there was a nurse on this flight, and the nurse was like, hold the plane, I know how to fix this. And ran over, started massaging the baby's chest and legs, which I guess is all you need to do to get babies to breathe again? So the baby started breathing again and uh, didn't didn't die of asphyxiation. Huzzah to the nurse. Hooray. Nice, but I do hope the plane did keep flying because they need to move <laughs> forward to stay up. Well, uh, <laughs> fair. All right. And that brings us to troop deployments. I'm willing to put wave after wave of men at your disposal. As we all know, politics is the mind killer and arguments are soldiers. So in that spirit, we ask each of our hosts to send out a soldier onto the battlefield each episode. And we'll start with David. Yeah, so uh, I am actually going to uh, try to get some of my own back from the David was wrong segments. Uh, I believe <laughs> I believe the first ever David was wrong segment was uh, me... Uh, I had said that uh, solar power was very expensive, and uh, other people had dug up reports that this wasn't true. Uh, so I've been listening to a lot of Nuke Bro podcasts, as I said, and uh, uh, this is actually one of the things that they talk about a lot on said Nuke Bro podcast, because it's things people, it's something people say a lot to Nuke Bros. So... What's happening with those reports that show solar power is very cheap is they're using something called the levelized cost of electricity. And essentially what this is, is it is a um, way of adjusting for the amount of time that it takes to spin up a certain type of power. Uh, So if a plant takes five years to start producing then that will be significantly weighed against in levelized cost of electricity as compared to uh, a plant that can start producing immediately. This is, in fact, the big benefit of solar power. You can just stick a solar panel out in a field and you'll be immediately making energy. The downside of solar is that not only does it not generate electricity all the time, the times that it generates electricity tend to be anti-correlated with the times people want electricity. So uh, solar energy is most productive at midday when the sun is in the sky and uh, um, uh, there's no uh, overcast. However, people tend to consume the most electricity at night when the sun is down or when the weather is bad. So that means uh, with solar power, your big benefit is that you can start generating it right away, but it is not only intermittent, it is intermittent in a way that is anti-correlated with consumption. 
So the analogy that the nuke bros tend to use for this is solar power is cheaper than uh, other forms of power, especially nuclear, in almost the exact same way that a tent is cheaper than a house. It is just factually correct that if you are measuring the levelized cost of shelter, a tent is cheaper than a house. However, if you have ever slept in a tent, you should know that there are some notable benefits to having a house that make it much more desirable than, uh, than a tent. And notably among these is once you have a house built, it will last a whole lot longer than a tent without needing expensive maintenance or uh, being replaced. So that is why by some measurements, uh, solar power is cheaper than nuclear power. But especially when it comes to plants like Diablo Canyon, which are already up and running and don't need to be built, uh, it is noticeably worse in ways that it's technically sometimes not right to round off to more expensive, but also looks a lot like it being more expensive. And that's why David was right after all. All right. Thank you, David. Uh, Eniash, what do you have for us? Well, speaking of tents, uh, tens of thousands of people were living in tents for about a week, very recently, uh, at Burning Man, <laughs> where I was there as well. It's a great place. Uh, but the Burning Man Desert is serviced by a single one-lane highway for about 100 miles. Um, this is a problem, because when the Burning Man event ends, almost everybody that attends wants to leave more or less at the same time, and there's 80,000 people leaving Burning Man. Uh, this happens every single year. Uh, it's been increasing in number every single year. It used to be only 20,000 people, but this year it was 80,000 people trying to cram onto a single lane highway. Uh, this year, it made a lot of social media news, I believe, uh, because they spent a good 11 to 13 hours in a line trying to get out of the desert in 110 degree heat. A lot of them overheated their cars. Uh, almost all of them, I'm sure, burned a lot of gasoline just running the AC so they wouldn't die of heat exhaustion. Uh, the feds and Nevada aren't ignorant about the situation. They know this happens every year. This is an event that is scheduled with the governments of both the state and uh, the U.S. federal government. Uh, it takes place on federal land in Nevada. They've been watching attendance grow steadily for decades. They approve how many people can come and how many tickets can be sold. So they knew that 80,000 people were expected this year. They aren't lacking for money. Nevada collects, collected $6.8 just from the live entertainment tax that they impose on this event this year alone. Uh, if you factor in incidental sales tax plus whatever the Burning Man organization pays to the federal government for federal fees, uh, it's, it's a lot of money. It's probably close to $10 million every year, and this has been going on for two decades or more. Uh, not only that, it's not like they don't have the ability to widen this highway. COVID was canceled for the past... COVID canceled Burning Man for the past two years, so the government had two years with no Burning Man to expand this one-lane highway that services Burning Man, and yet they did nothing. It's unconscionable, and it's intentional. Uh, it's insane that they don't do anything about this for a massively popular event that they know is coming every year, that they know how many people will be there, and they just, no, they, they collect the money, they let it sit, they let people endanger their health and their lives uh, for 
I don't know. I don't even know why. I guess they just want to get money without doing anything. So, yeah, it's kind of no wonder that the government doesn't trust or that the people don't trust the government to do anything right. They can't even build a fucking one lane expansion to a road that gets this kind of traffic every year. All right. Thank you, Eniash. I just want to say one quick follow up in as mostly a pilot test for my new I'm being sarcastic or facetious voice. <laughs> but without the government, who will build the roads? <laughs> that was a very good uh, facetious voice. Thank you. I understood you were being sarcastic. <laughs> it was, um, it got the message across. I wouldn't call it good. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, like the Burning Man organization could if it was legal, but it's not legal. Womp womp. All right. My troop deployment is that saying true things about how our electoral system sucks is not the same thing as election denying. There's always been a certain kind of insufferable centrist who will tell you that there's no difference between the Democrats and the Republicans. And every time you point out an issue with one party, they'll claim the other party does the same thing. The latest example of this is election denial. Ever since Trump started claiming he won the election, I've been hearing clout-chasing, above-it-all, self-described moderates try to equivocate between Trump's refusal to face the fact that he lost and the Democrats' accurate complaints about the unfairness and bias built into the system. Al Gore's election laws in 2000 actually was bullshit. Under the law, he was entitled to a recount, which may have put him over the top. And if the current rules were used, which allow the counting of votes where the clear voter intention can be determined, he definitely would have won. It's not to mention the thousands of people who obviously meant to vote for Gore, but voted for Pat Buchanan because of the confusing ballot design. And beyond that, the Electoral College is bullshit. In today's world, where people much more strongly associate with their country than their state, there's no justification for allowing smaller states to pick the president over the objections of the majority. If we had a system that actually reflected the will of the voters, neither Bush nor Trump would have been president. And pointing that out isn't election denial, it's the truth. Congressional elections are equally bullshit. Thanks to gerrymandering, the Democrats need to win significantly more votes than the Republicans to control the House. If they win a bare majority of votes, the Republicans are put in charge. The Senate is even worse. In most elections, Democrats have to win by 6 or 7% to actually stay in power. Otherwise, Republicans are put in charge. There's no justification for any of this, just archaic rules that were originally designed for a much smaller country with a much, much less powerful federal government. Pointing out that your candidate or party received more votes and should rightfully be in charge is not election denial. When Stacey Abrams says that she lost under the rules but the game was rigged, that's not remotely similar to Trump claiming that his loss was due to massive fraud, pressuring officials to find him thousands of votes, and telling his supporters that they need to fight for him. When Hillary Clinton points out that more people voted for her than Trump and her supporters use words like illegitimate, that's not remotely the same thing. So don't listen to any of these assholes who try to say, you know, the Democrats deny elections too. Trump's behavior in 2000 was unprecedented. Er, Sorry, Trump's behavior in 2020 was (laughs) unprecedented and is a threat to future elections. Most of the time, pundits try to claim that something is a threat to our democracy. I roll my eyes. But this one is actually serious. The Republicans have spent the last two years trying to get loyalists installed in a lot of the key positions to enable them to steal the next election. Congress hasn't done shit. I still don't think it will work, but they have a much better chance next time. Now is not the time for both sidesing. The Republican Party tried to steal one election. They are laying the groundwork to try again in 2024, and I wouldn't be surprised to see some test runs this November. 
This is absolutely not a thing both sides do, and anyone who says otherwise is lying to you. Wow, bringing the fire. All right, that's our show for this fortnight. Please follow us wherever you follow podcasts. Please leave us reviews on Apple Podcasts. Uh, Please subscribe on Substack. You'll get access to episodes early. You'll get access to bonus episodes, and you'll get access to our subscriber-only Discord channel where you can say stuff and we'll actually listen to you. And come back in two weeks, same rat time, same rat channel. Bye. Bye.